and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. Delighted to have you with me today. I hope you're ready for the weekend. It's an open line Friday because it is Friday and the phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We've got a couple of guests later in the show to talk to as well. Right now, though, can someone please, please, for the love of God, stage an intervention with the American press corps. They need it. I want to, I, I, I got a couple of things here for you. First of all, I got to play this audio from Joe Biden. It happened yesterday. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro leagues went on to become a great pitcher in the pros into the major league baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name was Satchel Page. I, I hope you know who Satchel Page is. Uh, you heard what Joe Biden said there. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro. You, you heard him say that. Now, you can say he misspoke. You can say he, he stumbled over his words. You cannot say that he did not say that. And yet Tommy Christopher, a writer at Mediaite, has said he didn't say it. He didn't say it. You just heard him say it. Whether you think he, he stumbled over his words, and he did, he stumbled over his words. But he said it. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro. Yeah, this this is Joe Biden saying the no, no 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 no. He didn't say that. And then there's this. This is from the the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. The judge making a joke. Uh, let's hope for one o'clock. I don't know. The uh, hope the Asian food isn't coming. It's on, isn't on one of those boats in Long, uh, Long Beach Harbor. Um, but let's uh, aim for 1 o'clock. They're ordering Chinese food for lunch at the trial for the jury. The judge says, I hope the Asian food is not on one of those boats in, in Long Beach. You know, there's a supply chain crisis. All the ships from Asia. They can't get into the harbor. It was a joke about the supply chain problems. And the media is like, it's racist. It's racist. I, I I kid you not. CNN is running not an opinion piece, but an actual report that the judge made an inappropriate racist joke at the trial. And then there's poor old Don Lemon. I have to I always, always and forever, when I have Charlie get me audio of Don Lemon, I have to publicly apologize to Charlie. For making him listen to Don Lemon. Because listening too much, too long to Don Lemon can cause brain damage. And I, I don't I don't want to cause that to my producer. Just want to leave people with a picture here. There you go. Imagine <laughs> if Kyle Rittenhouse was an 18 or 17-year-old black kid. Well, that's a different issue. What with a gun. That. Talk about that. Right. How would people feel? How would the judge treat him? If Kyle Rittenhouse were a 17 or 18-year-old black man shooting Antifa activists burning down Kenosha, Wisconsin, the Republicans would probably nominate this person for the Senate, if not the presidency, except they wouldn't be eligible. The Republicans would treat the person as a hero because Republicans really, really like it when uh, black Americans exercise their Second Amendment rights going after Antifa thugs. They do. You may not believe it, but oh my gosh, yes, we do. I would treat him as, as, as a hero. 
if he had uh, taken out Antifa people who were trying to kill him as they burned down Kenosha, Wisconsin. And by the way, it is abundantly obvious Kyle Rittenhouse uh, committed self-defense. Do you know the the NBC News now says paramedic, uh, the Antifa goon who admitted on the stand to have pointed his gun at Kyle Rittenhouse before Rittenhouse shot him, that guy, that guy is now saying actually, no, he said it wrong under oath on the stand. He's revising and retracting his comments. Y'all, we need an intervention for the American press corps. Maybe not because I'm actually convinced that they're helping Republicans. Now, now, unwittingly, unknowingly, they're helping Republicans. Even though they're out to get the GOP, they're helping Republicans. Here's what's going on here. Uh, For a number of years in the media, they took a position that they should be objective. They should just give us the facts. No editorializing, no opinionating. Well, as as younger people have moved in and we've hit postmodern times, uh, it's your truth and my truth, and, and all the reporters, the young reporters coming out of journalism school, are well, they know they're biased, they know they're progressive, and they really hate conservatives, and they want to be able to editorialize in their reporting. And some newsrooms are allowing them to do this. Clearly, CNN is. Clearly, the New York Times is. Clearly, MSNBC is. And so the young news people are holding their employers hostage to their whims and their worldview, and they're issuing reports with a very, very willfully intentional bias against conservatives, against Christians, against Republicans, against the non-woke of America. It just happens to turn out that most Americans tend to be center-right in their worldview. We are actually a a more progressive nation than a lot of conservatives like to admit, but fundamentally, institutionally, when it comes to family and jobs, uh, overwhelmingly, Americans have a slight shift towards the right, Uh, more hostile to these reporters. And a lot of these reporters have a worldview that is closer to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez than to the moderate Democrats. Consequently, they skew their reports in that direction, and increasingly, they are destroying the credibility of the American press corps itself. As a result, more and more Americans surveyed show they have less and less trust in the media. And it's not just Republicans. It's Democrats and independents as well. And as a result, new media operations are springing up because the the press corps has shown themselves to be so biased that they cannot be trusted. And because they cannot be trusted, Americans are going with something they can trust. Now, the result here, the importance here, is that the people who are leaving the mainstream media, they often go down rabbit holes of conspiracy theorists who they build up trust with online. They go to people who tell them what they want to hear. The media, you need to understand this. The, 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 your average voice now on CNN, on MSNBC, and the New York Times, the Washington Post, they're not giving you the truth. Some of them are, and, and they deserve credit. Jake Tapper, I think, deserves a lot of credit. John King deserves a lot of credit at CNN. Wolf Blitzer, too, I think, understands 
that uh, he's got to give you reporting that is actually truthful, honest, and, and directed. Now, the editors and producers behind the scenes may tell them, focus on these stories. This is what the viewer cares about. And those viewers care about left-wing things, and that's where they cover. But I think they try to play it straight. But then you've got the Chris Cuomo's, and you've got the Don Lemons of the world. You've got others there who they don't care. They are trying to placate a progressive audience with a progressive worldview. They're trying to compete with MSNBC at CNN. At MSNBC, they don't care about the facts. At MSNBC, their job is to give you the progressive narrative. At MSNBC, they are the apologists of and fluffers for the Democratic Party. If you want to know what the Democrats truly believe, you turn on MSNBC. The New York Times, the Washington Post, a lot of reporters out there. A lot of reporters at newer startups. They are progressive activists masquerading as journalists. And consequently, the American trust in the media has collapsed, has cratered. When you see something like Joe Biden saying what he said about Satchel Page, I've played you the audio now four times. You can hear for yourself he said what he said about Satchel Page, and yet you've got reporters out there saying he didn't say that. I don't know what you think, but he didn't say that. But he did. You could hear it for yourself. Now, he misspoke. He stumbled over his words. He did not mean to say it, but he said it. If it was Donald Trump who stumbled over his words, they would attribute it to Donald Trump, and you and I know it. Donald Trump typed out Kofifi on Twitter, and it was a multi-day news story. The American press corps needs an intervention. The American press corps has picked a side. And as they picked a side, trust in the press has collapsed. Now, here's the problem. The American public in our republic requires a free and fair press. Democracy is very hard to maintain. It is essentially modern Western representative democracy is very hard. It is not the default. The default is a cult of personality surrounding a tyrant, the very thing the left says they fear with Donald Trump. In order to avoid that, you have to have a free and fair press. You have to have a free and fair press that doesn't pick a side because if it picks a side, the people who aren't on that side are going to revolt and go find their own voices who affirm the world as they see them. And the press is picked aside. As a result, it is, it is not a coincidence that as there is a perception of the decline of freedom in this country, it comes as the press has picked aside. And the press has actually picked aside that is historically far more authoritarian than conservatives. The great monstrous barbarians of the world almost always come from the left because they have no fear of hell because they do not believe in it. And so they bring us hell on earth in the name of bringing us heaven on earth, whether it's Hitler or Mao or Mussolini or Stalin or Lenin. Now, I know they will say, well, some of these are, are right wing, but no, 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 they were socialists. The Nazis were national socialists. Progressives may do a lot to, of trying to rearrange history to claim they were some sort of right-wing authoritarian front, but actually they're the kissing cousins of the communists. 
regardless of how you want to place them on the ideological map, the fact of the matter is the press has picked a side. And it is not a coincidence that the perception of freedom in this country collapses as the press picks a side and advocates that side's position and claims that side is always and forever right and has a willing, open, hostile bias to anyone who disagrees with that side. What used to be latent is now patent and obvious for everyone. And they need an intervention because the press's shift to the left, open and notorious shift to the left, is part of why in this country we have seen now an explosion of conspiracies. We have seen now an explosion of alternate news sources, many of which are not actually very good with a lot of fringe opinions. But they are people who recognize that the American media has gone gone so far left, they want to go find something that comports to their worldview. They don't want to have in-your-face progressivism all the time, and that's what they're getting now. You watch most shows on CNN. You watch all of MSNBC. You read the New York Times front page or most major news outlets of the country, including USA Today. You're going to get a progressive worldview on the front page. You're going to get the stories that a bunch of progressives care about. You're going to get the spin that a bunch of progressives care about. You watch NBC News at night. You listen to NBC News. uh, You you follow along on, on the website. They are out to get conservatives. You can see it in the bias of how they're covering the Kyle Rittenhouse matter. Interestingly enough, you can see it in how they're not covering the Ahmed Arbery situation. You got a bunch of white progressives trying to feel good about themselves by being out to get Kyle Rittenhouse. They're completely ignoring this tragedy in Glen County, Georgia. Because it's a bunch of rich white wokes who are shaping the news, guiding the news, focusing the news, reading the news, consuming the news, and that's who they're going after. They have found a consumer they want, and it's not you, and it's not me. And they're shaping the news to conform to the biases of those people. And we will continue to get greater press bias, and we will also get greater loss of freedom in this country as the progressives and the media all head in the same direction. And by the way, our loss of freedom isn't going to come from Donald Trump. It's not going to come from the conservatives. It's not going to come from the Republicans. It's going to come from the progressives who, with the media in tow, decide that it's the conservatives who are letting the planet burn and must be stopped. It's the conservatives who are the threats to democracy and must be stopped. It's the conservatives who are the bad guys and must be stopped. And it's all because the media amplifies their own message internally. And they have no external information to pierce their bubble to tell them they're not right. And it ends badly for all of us. But for the short term, ironically, it actually ends worse for them than anyone else because the American people are rejecting all of that very quickly and they don't even see it happening because there's no counter-programming for them to consume to show them what's really going on out there in flyover country. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, this open line Friday, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You know, let me just give you an example here of, of a real problem that exists. When the press says things like, as Tommy Christopher and Mediaite has done, that Joe Biden did not say what he actually said about uh, Satchel Page. I'm I'm getting emails from some group. Oh, I sent it to the trash. What is this group? Um, <laughs> yes, um, it's a, it's a PR group. 
and it says, um, headline, for Veterans Day, Joe Biden hurls racial epithet uh, at black Americans. And what happens is when you have media outlets like Mediaite and its reporter Tommy Christopher denying that Joe Biden ever said it, when he did, you can listen to the audio. Well, then that allows people to say, well, you can't trust these guys. Let me go find, oh, 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 this this people, that they're telling us the truth here. Let, let's go down this rabbit hole and they get trapped. When the media can't tell you the truth, you go in search of people who will tell you the truth. And oftentimes, the people who are telling you the nugget of truth are using it for a lie of their own. We live in postmodern times, remember? People want to, people want to uh, placate you and tell you what you want to hear about your truth, not the actual truth. So we cede the ground to crazy conspiracy theories and, and people going down rabbit holes and getting trapped in, in craziness. So when a media outlet like Mediaite that covers the media lies and says Joe Biden didn't say what he clearly said, as opposed to explaining he tripped over his words. Well, you're going to go downhill. And by the way, I got to say, I'm being really charitable here with what Joe Biden said. For those of you who tuned in and you don't know, this is what Joe Biden said. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues, went on to become a great pitcher in the pros. He's talking about Satchel Page. He did call him that. Now, clearly, he, he I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt there that he tripped over stories, but a lot, you know, the left isn't giving people the benefit of the doubt on that, so why should people on the right? I saw a buddy of mine in co- Congress. CNN accused him of being part of the pro-lynching party. He said, in past times, I would have given Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt and acknowledged he tripped over his words, but not now. The press isn't going to do it to me. Why should I do it to Joe Biden? Meanwhile, you've got other people out there flat out lying, saying he never said it. This ends badly for everyone. The American press, we need a free press in order to be a free people. But the press is no longer free. They are held hostage to their hate and their vanity. And as a result of being held hostage to their hate and their vanity, they have taken a side. And it is actually a side that historically is the greatest threat to freedom and liberty on the planet. It is the ideology of Mao and Stalin and Lenin, and it ends badly for millions of people if it becomes a dominant force. Hello, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Open line Friday here, so you can call in about pretty much anything. you got to get past the call screener, though. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on this here program. In Mark 5, in Scripture, I've said this before, Possessed man, there are actually two of them. If you, if you read the multiple biblical accounts, there's a reason Mark only focuses on one. But they they approach out of a graveyard, Jesus of Nazareth. And the demons who are possessed of the man, they speak to Jesus. They call him son of man. They recognize him. And they know that their fate sealed. They're coming out of the man. And they beg Jesus, please, please. Cast us, for we are legion, we are many. Cast us into the pigs. There were herded pigs nearby. 
So Jesus casts the legion of demons into the herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs possessed by demons now run down a hill into a body of water. And they drowned. The whole herd drowned. Well, it's not like the demons died. They had to do something. They came out of the pigs. And they invented Twitter. Thus explains everything. Now, Twitter is a hell site run by the horde and horrors of hell for all the world to see each other in their worst form. Twitter's unique power is to bring forth the worst of humanity in a single place and of those who are good people to bring out in them online the worst of them. There is one unique thing that Twitter does in doing so. Twitter has a remarkable ability to allow us to see that our intellectual elite, our social betters, are overwhelmingly shallow, stupid people. They are not as intelligent as they claim to be. They are not as capable as they claim to be, and their expertise is not as grand as they would have us believe. That gets me to Abram Kindy and Nicole Hannah-Jones. When I was in uh, eighth grade, I had a English teacher, Miss Long, Mary Jo Long, I've actually emailed with her back and forth now. She's in her 80s. She lives in Texas. And she's very, I mean, I knew as a kid she was pretty liberal. She was a mean teacher. She's very strict, very firm. And I will never forget one day, it was me who did it. I cannot remember the word. But I defined the word by using the word. And she let me have it. You do not define a word by using the word. When I was in law school, I had a professor, Reynold Kosick. Reynold Kosick was the sales professor, among other things. He taught remedies. He taught sales. He passed away several years ago from cancer. He was the notorious, prototypical, mean law school professor. In fact, one time... Uh, I actually, I was in class and I had gotten, in fact, up until recently, I hadn't had Taco Bell since this time. Uh, the year was 1998. And I was in my first year in law school and I had Reynold Kosick and Reynold Kosick arranged the class in alphabetical order and every day, five students would get called on. And when it was your turn to be called on, you had to stand and you had to answer his questions. And if you said, I think is, eh, Mr. Erickson, you're, you're not paid to think. Your, your client is paying you to know the answer. Don't think. Tell me the answer. You say, well, the, the plaintiff went to the airport and he got on the, not Mr. Erickson, who, who is he? We have plaintiffs and we have defendants. We don't, we don't have pronouns. He was well ahead of his time in the, in the war against pronouns. And if you were not there on your day, because you knew it was going to be your day. Some of my friends from law school are emailing. They, they know. 
If you were not there on your day, Rental Koshik would call on you the rest of the year and take off points if you were not there. You had to be there on your day. Friday evening, my day was on a Monday. Friday evening, I went to Taco Bell. <laughs> I wound up being hospitalized. It was not just the food poisoning. I had some stomach bug on top of it, was thoroughly dehydrated, and I was went into the emergency room, and they admitted me. And I had to get out of out of there because on Monday I had Kosick. I had to get out of I had to get out of the hospital. I had IVs and drugs and you name it, and I I, I was good enough to go. I, I checked myself out. They just wanted me there for observation anyway. So I go into school on Monday. The assistant dean of students is also my advisor, Mike Sabbath. He sees me come in the door, and I look like death warmed over. I did. And my day, it was a it was a case about elephants. We were doing the uniform commercial code as, as sales, and and there was a a question about fungible goods. Now, I don't need to give you a dissertation about fungible goods. All you need to know is the legal definition is a good that can be manufactured and sold within one calendar year. And the question, the, the, the wee hypo, as another professor of mine would have called it, was about elephants. And a circus elephant is pregnant. They want to do a sale of the, the yet-to-be-born baby elephant. Is it a fungible good? Well, Thankfully, um, Dean Sabbath knew that I had been really, really sick and in the hospital. And he told me, you better go look up the gestation period of elephants. So I did. And I got to class and I was person four out of five. And the three people before me never thought to look up the gestation period of elephants. And by the time he came to me, he was in blind rage mode. Oh, my gosh. And he asked me, and I say, nope, they can't be fungible goods. And I just breathe a sigh of relief. But Mr. Erickson, there are two varieties of elephants. There's the Indian elephant and there's the African elephant. How do you know which one? Doesn't matter. Neither of them can be born within 365 days. And then he asked me about the difference. And I explained the difference between the African elephant and the Indian elephant. Well, how do you know this? And I explained to him, I grew up overseas. I have experience with elephants. I've ridden an elephant before. Oh, holy moly. He then says, Miss Erickson, thank you very much. I understand you're unwell. You can be excused now. At which point I begin to puke all over that classroom everywhere. Blah, the whole class gets to leave because I have puked up everywhere. It is it is awful. You know, they, they shortly thereafter decided to renovate that classroom. I'm pretty sure that I deserve the credit for it. Now, I, I say this as a total tangent. Reynold Kosick was one of those people who, if you dared to define a term by that term, you might as well get out a shovel and dig a six-foot deep hole because he's about to bury you. And he would tell you any person who defines a word with that word is not a bright person. 
he would ridicule your intelligence if you dared to use a word to define that word. I give you Ibram Kindi speaking at the Aspen Born Institute. To defining racism, but I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't. I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. The brilliance, the side brilliance of Twitter, run by the hordes and horrors of hell, is that occasionally we get to see that our social betters, the intellectual elite, and those on whom the intellectual elite rely are not smart people. They're hucksters. Ibram Kendi is a race huckster. Nicole Hannah-Jones, who formed the 1619 Project, a, a retelling of American history, on Twitter yesterday, claimed that when we dropped the nuclear bomb on Hiroshima, it was because we knew surrender was coming, but we'd spent all this money developing it and to prove it was worth it. We, we had to drop the bomb because we'd spent all this money developing it. We knew they were going to surrender, had to drop it anyway because we spent all this money. And then attacks someone who pointed out she was wrong as propaganda is not history, my friend. She herself is the one who has embraced the propaganda. She, by the way, wound up deleting that tweet. There is some historic dispute on the need to drop the atomic bomb on Nagasaki. There is no dispute at all that we felt tremendously the need to drop the bomb on Hiroshima to try to induce a surrender of the Japanese. There is not any historic documentation whatsoever for her claims, and yet she clearly believes it. Ibram Kendi is the one who last week, I believe it was, after someone pointed out that white kids were pretending to be non-white to get scholarships, blasted it as further proof of the racism of the institutions until someone pointed out, wait a second, man. How is it racism that the white kids are having to be non-white to get scholarships? He deleted that tweet. Critical race theory is the Scientology of the rich white woke. Hannah, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Ibram Kendi, they are the L. Ron Hubbards of racism in America. The rich white wokes pay these people. And it is ironic, isn't it? They get to money from white rich people to tell them America is racist. But it's not these rich white people who are paying the money who are racist. It's the system itself that's racist. And who are the system? The system is composed of all the other people, not the rich people throwing money at them. Why are the rich white people throwing money at them? Because... Every one of us has a little voice in our head that tells us there's more to it than this. And they feel a sense of shame and sin for their richness, their whiteness, and their privilege. And instead of finding Jesus, they find these Gnostics who tell them, if you give us money, we have a secret knowledge that explains your sense of shame. And it turns out, it's a system of systemic racism in this country, and these white people perceive it as so, and they are absolved of their sins by funding the race hucksters, who aren't very bright people, but are brighter than the rich white wokes who throw money at them for absolution of their sins. And we get to see this play out on Twitter, that these people really aren't that bright. 
but they're brighter than the rich white wokes who throw money at them. There is a ready market for rich secular progressives always looking for special insight, better knowledge, and absolution for their feelings of guilt. Some of them turn to drugs. Some of them just accumulate power and wealth and houses in the Hamptons. Some of them throw money at these people so that these people can give them absolution. At the end of the day, they're really not smarter, brighter or than us. You know, when I started at CNN back in the day, I was always a little bit nervous because I was debating people on television, went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton and had worked for presidents of the United States. And I was always shocked that these people are no smarter than me. And in fact, some of them are actually really idiots. But given their pedigree, given their background, given their education, given who they work for, it was, oh, these people are brilliant. They really weren't. I was actually shocked. I really was. I, I was a guy who went to Mercer University, a no-name college until they beat Duke one year in the NCAA. Went to Mercer University Law School, had, had, had a scholarship to Duke and didn't go for undergrad, went to Mercer. And I worked in middle Georgia, worked at a small law firm, started running a political site, ran political campaigns. And here I am with people who worked on the campaigns of presidents of the United States who went to Harvard and Yale. And they really, some of them weren't actually bright at all. They just hustled their resume and they knew it. And that's the thing. And that's where a lot of the bitter contempt from these people comes from for you is they know they're actually not as smart and not as capable as you. They know they just won the lucky sperm lottery. Their parents was, their daddy was rich and they were able to have doors open for them that you and I did not have open for us. And they have a sense of shame and a guilt and they don't know Jesus. So they want to know something. And here comes Ibram Kendi and Nicole Hannah-Jones and says, hey, we know what the truth is. There's systemic racism. And if you give us money, you won't be part of the problem. We will absolve you of it. And they're the elites. They believe they've acquired a special insight. And now they want to impose that insight on the rest of us. And that makes them feel even better and more justified and more vindicated. And deep down, it comes back to one thing. These people really aren't that bright. And the people who are advising them, the Gnostics who reveal the secret knowledge to them, they're not that bright either. And on Twitter, we get to see it play out in real time that they don't know what the hell they're talking about, but they're talking and the white rich people are throwing money at them. So they'll keep talking. Hi there. If you are on the phones, please stand by. I went long that last segment. Terrible clock management, but that's okay. People enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. The phone number, if y'all want to call in, I will spend time out of the gate uh, in the next hour with your phone calls, if you like, uh, is 877-973-7425. And, you know, I, I want to dive into when we come back as well, uh, this growing divide on the left and the right of, of um, what it means to be a conservative now, what it means to be a, a progressive now, what it means to be a Republican and a Democrat, because there's so much uh, division. And also, Bob Woodson is going to join me. Uh, he is uh, a committed to revitalization of urban areas. Uh, and worked with Jack Kemp, who, when I was a kid, I loved Jack Kemp. Uh, he had been a football player, went to work for Ronald Reagan. 
when I was in college, he ran for vice president of the United States with Bob Dole as, pres- as the presidential nominee. And it's kind of amazing to me that Dole is still alive and Jack Kemp has passed away. But I got to drive the lead car in Jack Kemp's motorcade when he came through Macon, Georgia in 1996. I'll never forget. I called my wife. We were friends at the time. Told her what I was doing. She had no idea you campaigned to be vice president of the university. Yeah. Nope. Of the United States. My college roommate was with me. He tapped on the window, rolled down the window. Brian says, who is this guy? (laughs) I was, when I was in college, I was really into politics because, you know, I grew up in Dubai. We didn't really have a lot other than camel racing and the like. And, um, well, I, I, um, really focused on politics. It became my thing. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.